All right, people. It's, uh, oh, oh, wait, hold on. I forgot to do my intro. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Joe Rogan. Wow. I, I'm, oh, man. Things are so weird right now, you know? Like, I'm looking outside. It's raining, you know? I'm just, I'm like, whoa. It's so weird. Water falling from the sky. It's so strange, right? Oh, my God. That was just lightning flash. You see that, dude? Oh, my God. It was so weird. Lightning coming from the sky. Anyways, I'm Dom the Movie Nerd. That's Chris, the TV nerd. Uh, contrary to popular belief, I got a new stand. I'm super pumped about it. But, yeah, this is not the Joe <laughs> Roman podcast because I even though I would really want to speak because man that guy makes money but Chris how you been dude I've been good I'm uh, excited nice. to nice. talk about what we're talking about today but yeah because we're back to talk on the talking TV podcast I hope that wasn't as obvious as it was it's meant to be obvious yeah I was about to, I don't care it's we're obvious get get used to it people come on I'm gonna skull and crossbones on my t-shirt if that doesn't say Sid from Toy Story which is the character that I strongly attempt to emulate, emulate with every single waking moment in my life. I don't know what that's does, your guy, you know. Yeah, I, I, sure. That that guy was cool, you know. That guy like that guy was like had like the cojones to be like, yeah, I'm gonna like experiment on toys and like just get all my sociopathic tendencies out of the way as a kid, you know. I'm like, you know, if you have that amount of mental capacity to be able to say that to yourself and be like, hey, you know what? I may have these tendencies, but hey, better to get these out of the way as a kid than to potentially actually have them impact me when I'm an adult. You know, and hey, look at him. He turned out to be a productive garbage man, a productive member of society when he got older. That is winning in my book, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he turned out all right, but there was definitely yeah, a that's chance character that... Growth. that is that is personal growth right there. There was definitely a chance that he, you know, might not oh, 100%. have turned out Oh, no, okay. I'm not debating that. <laughs> I'm not debating that at all, but like... I'm just saying, for how things could have turned out, oh, it was yeah, definitely totally. a lot better how they did turn out, you know? Yeah, his, and his, his imaginary I don't know, do, do we want to count that as a segue into our main topic for the night? I mean, I know we normally like to sort of chat it up Banter. a bit before we get into yeah. this thing, but I mean, I got a lot to unpack on this subject, yeah, so unless too. you have something you want to get into, I'm all for that nah. if you do. Nah. So let's just all jump right. into so, it. so, yeah, Chris, so... I feel like we've kind of been beating around the bush for a while because this is a topic that you and I, we've talked about a lot. Even before we started this podcast, it, this was like back when we had our first podcast back in our college days, you know, we were talking about, I was kind of like starting to really get to know you and be like, oh wait, this kid really doesn't like Disney. Now granted, like I said, my personal thoughts on Disney and everything that they've done, like as a corporation, you know, like it's just certain things we have to piece apart from like their kind of media sphere because, you know, they're, they're like a conglomerate, they're like one of like the five pillars of information when it comes to yeah. like the television and like media sphere you know so it's like there's kind of like a certain grain of salt that has to come into fat that has to come into play there mm -hmm. when you take that into consideration but definitely when it comes to their movies you have been very vocal about a certain franchise that i would say has come to dominate the pop culture stratosphere at least over the past decade you know who knows where it's going to be this new decade but at least for the past decade it's pretty much dominated the topic of discussion, you know, and we, we have made it no secret of our own individual thoughts and opinions on said franchise and said corporation. Right. Dom, what is this corporation? What is this said franchise? People, we're finally doing it. It's, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, it, it, if anything, this is kind of another throwback because this is a throwback to our first, our only ever unreleased episode that we did with... True. The one, Andrew, I still don't know how to say his last name. How do you say his last name, Chris? Because... Jemai, but does it even matter? Damn, you, 
why? That, that, I hate it. Can, can I just, can we just do a non sequitur right here where I just hate when spellings don't match up to pronunciation? Like, this is a big problem that I've had for a while. Like, you know, like, the, the actor Ralph Fiennes, you know, the guy who plays Voldemort in the Harry Potter movies? You know they pronounce his name Rafe? I'm like, dude, your name is not spelled Rafe. It's pronounced Ralph. I don't care if you're Welsh or whatever. Your name is spelled Ralph. It's pronounced Ralph. Well done. Not you're Rafe, being a little insensitive you know? to UK culture right now. I agree, but I don't care. <laughs> it's not very Joe Rogan. The name is spelled a certain way. Uh, I'm not Joe Rogan. I have a fro. I'm not bald, and I'm not 50. So whatever. But Chris, we're talking about the MCU. I don't know how that opening conversation really builds into it, but I hope it's as funny as it sounds to me. I liked it. But I mean, thanks. It was. Thanks. It was. I'm you know, it was a curveball. But yeah. this isn't typically what we do on our no. Wednesday slotted episodes. So yeah. this is more of like a curveball episode anyways. It's more of a freeform yeah. discussion, which we usually mm -hmm. have that around like something that just came out or like a throwback, but it's more fixated around like one title, one thing. But we're talking about 22 freaking movies right now. 23 now technically if you count the most recent one that came out but yeah there's a point be there this yeah. is a franchise that it's almost it's always insane to me when i think about it because it's like i think about like all the biggest franchises of all time and i think the only ones that may have come close to this before it got started were the james bond and the batman franchise right if you look i remember taking like a couple business classes in college right and the, the ones the, and, and there was actually a, a point in one of them where we talked about like some of the highest grossing movie franchises right it was like james bond batman um, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and a couple of those. Mostly geek franchises, but Makes sense. mostly it was due to longevity. And what always amazed me, before we actually dive into our own individual thoughts, because again, the, the interesting thing about this episode is the fact that this is a topic where everyone has already kind of contributed their own opinion. So this is really a situation where we could just let loose and be like, yeah, we're, we don't care about like what everyone else's opinions are. This is ours. Everyone has already had a chance to share their opinion. It's like the most globally communicative franchise i think more so than any other franchise in the past you know yeah, i mean you could argue everyone's gotten their opinions out. you could have argued so, star wars in the past but i, I think it's surpassed i that. wouldn't even i wouldn't even say that i wouldn't even say that because by the time star wars came back into the discussion marvel was already like deep into phase two and the internet like like if anything yeah like now obviously people are talking about star wars but like everyone was already talking about star wars i was wars talking like pre-marvel like like what would be pre the pre-marvel sort of like ip that had everyone just oh, fucking okay. All right. you know like loving it for years but i think they've right. clearly okay. blown star wars out of the water in regards to the yeah, fandom to at this point least. which is crazy star wars is the day yeah. dedicated to right. it but marvel might get yeah. there they very much so might get to marvel day who knows but i mean who knows yeah, so Dom, I mean, you you kind of pitched this episode to me, so I think before we dive in, I think I'm still a little curious, but but excited, which is why I waited to question it until now. So, but like, why this topic at this point in time on this episode? Well, well, so it's interesting because obviously this was a topic that I've been wanting to do since our first original unaired episode with Andrew, where we talked about Avengers Endgame and kind of our own individual thoughts and what that was going to have on the media pop culture sphere. Obviously, this was long before any of this whole corona nonsense set in but it was always interesting to me because what started out as me kind of just watching a series of movies that i when i was in like mm -hmm. god iron man would have been yeah i would have been in, that was the summer between fifth and sixth grade yeah. for me when that first iron man movie came out and what started out just like a series of movies that ended up building up to me at the time was like the second greatest cinematic event of my life after that first Transformers movie, because that first Transformers movie will always be a defining moment in my childhood. I don't care. I was born in 97. Get over it, people. But 
when the Avengers came out, that was the end of my freshman year of high school. And when I saw that movie in theater, I was like, oh my God. So this is what it's like to witness like a Return of the King or a Return of the Jedi or any one of those like genre-defining movie series endings in my in my lifetime. And I was like, okay, so this is what this is like. This is what it is like to see all of those heroes that had gotten their own individual movies and I wasn't even aware of the idea of what a cinematic universe was or what it could be or even like the idea of like, obviously I didn't know what cinema was. I didn't even know what cinematic language was. I didn't know how movies were made, right? At the time I was just a kid who liked watching movies and liked looking up shit on IMDb and like memorizing actors at the time, you know? Right. And when I saw that movie, I was like, whoa, okay, this is something new. You know, I was 14 years old when I saw that movie and I'm like, I knew at that moment, I'm like, okay, this is something new. And the amazing thing is that obviously, you know, when franchises hit a high point that high, they usually can't match it. But this was the one franchise that I had seen that kept upping the ante, regardless of the residual quality that came out of that. Like every single time I saw a big event movie, you know, like I saw the Winter Soldier in spring of my junior year of high school. And I was like, oh, my God. After like two very disappointing entries post Avengers, I'm like, okay, so this is where they can go with this. And then Guardians of the Galaxy, summer between my junior and senior year of high school. And I was like, oh my God, the MCU basically just made their own version of Star Wars. And in some way, I may have liked it even better than Star Wars, you know, because I liked it more than all the prequels. And then I got Age of Ultron, my senior year of high school. And I know a lot of people don't like that movie. And I was like, oh my God, I don't care. I'm getting the Avengers back. This is the payoff to my freshman year of high school. And then after I graduated, it just kept going. And it's like, Again, taking all the residual quality out of it, just from, like, a pure adrenaline standpoint, like, no other franchise had done that at that point, where they just keep upping the ante more and more and more. Literally to the point where I'm a junior in college, I'm sitting there with my friends in the theater, and I watch the big purple grimace-looking monster that was a joke that was tagged on at the end of that first Avengers movie for my freshman year in high school that snapped his fingers and made half the heroes that I had gotten to know coming up through my years just disappear within the blink of an eye. And there was just that strong sense of continuity. I was like, whoa, okay. So for the first time ever, I think more than any, and I'm talking movies and TV here, because even TV, certain situations, again, Game of Thrones really tried to match this, but they just could not hit the bill. Where it's like, whoa, okay, there has been this strong underlying sense of continuity for 10 years in a big budget blockbuster movie franchise. That, to me, has never, ever been accomplished before, and I don't think ever will be accomplished again. And so just to tackle it from that perspective, just talking like from a pure adrenaline standpoint, and why this franchise and this has kind of taken over the media sphere, like... Can can you un, can, can, can you blame the populace for having that thought process? You know, because I would like to think that a majority of people who have grown up watching this franchise have kind of the same initial thoughts as me. You know, like would would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that you kind of more so than I will represent the majority in this conversation. Um, so I kind of want to start to unpack your your sort of like opening crawl there, your opening monologue, if you will. <laughs> Basically, hopefully, it was better than a Star Wars crawl. <laughs> Well, of recent years, but that's yeah, a different we'll podcast. Yeah, of recent years. The <laughs> tune in, speak. thanks. Tune in next week. Um, but but with that being said, you know, I think 
to to what you sort of concluded with in that statement you said that it can never be done again i 100% disagree with that but what i will give you is i think that it is going to be very difficult to do it again at this level because i think a lot of companies a lot of producers a lot of creators Everyone is going to look at what Marvel has done these past, I think, uh, what is it, 12 years now? 10 years. Uh, well, 12 years technically with Iron yeah. Man, but it's for most of, like I said, they just want to go 10 years because it's easy. Exactly. But yeah. Well, the past 12 years, and they're going to say, hey, they made a lot of money. We can do that. We just need to get a few characters, and we can just connect the dots. Easy peasy. Mm, not think? so easy. You need to you, you need to focus think, on the nuances. Nope. nope. I, I would love to see someone do it in a way that is a little less safe than Marvel did it. Now, I, for a long time, and especially on the start of this podcast, if, if for those of you who have been with us for, like, you know, the better half of this year now, know, this year time span, know that, you know, Chris, he, he wasn't the biggest fan. My opinion has changed a little bit lately. However, I did spend um, a decent amount of this quarantine sort of catching up on a bunch of the MCU films I had missed and sort of watching in like a light chronological order, just just catching up on the ones that like weren't imprinted on my brain, like, you know, your Guardians movies, I got those in and out. Um, but like films, for example, like, you know, the first Iron Man that I hadn't seen since theaters so long ago, I was like, I got to rewatch that. And so I did 12 this. Years. And, 12 years. And so, you know, I... I definitely grew more of an appreciation for it. I certainly can understand some of the love having sort of done my studying, if you will, uh, going through Infinity War and then Endgame, you know, getting that spectacle with all the knowledge, which I hadn't done prior going to the theaters. It was always a little more scatterbrained because I was pretty tuned into phase one and I quickly tuned out at the end of it because I was just like, well, it's all so predictable. And I just... I didn't feel that magic that everyone else was feeling. And I still don't feel it on a level where like now that I can say that I'm, I'm pretty versed in, in the subject material, I'm not like, you know, infatuated with it by any means. I still don't understand that. But what I can understand is people who are fanatic about it, but I still do ask them to try and look at it objectively because it is formulaic, and is that okay with you from your creativity? Although, I don't think they'll be able to do that. But I guess, just to yeah, sort of to give you my tone setter for what we're about to really get into here, you know? Yeah, I, I can tell you right off the bat immediately that, like, obviously, the, the people that you're trying to speak to are not at all looking at this in a, at an objective lens. They're just looking at it as, like, kind of an excuse to, like, just see some stuff blow up and see some fun things on the screen. And so that's the thing I can get off the bat. But I guess kind of what I want to kind of get at is this idea of predictability because that's something that you brought up a lot whenever we talk about the MCU. And it's interesting because what I find is that Again, like Kevin Feige's whole model with the cinematic universe, obviously when he announced it back in Comic-Con at 2006, when he announced kind of this whole MCU experiment before like Comic-Con and everything like just was to that level, like when nobody was paying attention, nobody really gave a shit. But my whole thing is that, so you look at comic books, right? Which is kind of the model that Kevin Feige was modeling this whole cinematic universe off of, right? Like he has said multiple times, like the whole thing that we tried to do with the cinematic universe is something that he had been trying to do since he became a producer at Marvel, right? Back when he was producing like all this shit, like, like, like he produced the Hulk movie in 2003 with Eric Bonham. And his whole thing was, we're just trying to do what Stanley and Jack Kirby started in, uh, in Manhattan all those years ago when they were making Marvel comics, which is that... They're not coming up with, like, these groundbreaking, interesting stories. Or they're just trying to come up with, like, basic stories of the week in order to keep their readers interested so they can keep their checks coming in. And 
yeah, I would argue and look back at like some of those earlier Marvel comics, like, yeah, they're predictable. But like the fact that they kept some of those stories going for years and decades on end, like obviously I get it. Obviously, a comic book uh, medium versus a movie medium, those are two different things, obviously, and I get that. But at the same time, I guess that's kind of where the predictability comes in. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the predictability doesn't necessarily mean as much when it's just the fact that you're getting these stories kind of told on a big on a big budget scale, you know? And so when it's a matter of, okay, you kind of already necessarily know what's coming next, but you're still invested. You know, that's kind of the investment to be. And I get it. I get the detriment that that is posed to the rest of movie making in general because the problem is obviously money begets money and economy begets economy. And the fact that because these movies are so successful, almost every single time they're going to, like that's gonna spread out into other facets of cinema obviously other facets where it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily work because obviously that method of storytelling does not work for almost every single movie we've seen it attempted and failed miserably with other instances but I guess my question is is that what is it with the predictability that keeps you constantly coming back to comics over and over and over again even though you know exactly what's gonna happen but with movies, that that's just it's not as forgivable, you know. I guess that's my question that I have. Well, I mean, comics aren't really like that anymore. To be completely honest with you, they're more like show, like TV shows, where it's like these same characters. They're not procedural really anymore at all in their nature, and when they are, they kind of make a note of that. Um, that's one of my biggest problems with uh, Jared Leto, uh, not Jared Leto, uh, Gerard Way of uh, My Chemical Romance. He, he he did like this whole Vertigo run with the Doom Patrol and all that, and it was very procedural and just super boring and dry and just didn't work. And and so like, but but like I have read a bunch of like you know the modern. Mar- I'm reading the uh, Planet Hulk right now. I'm, I'm in the middle of it as we speak. And it is a continuous storyline. It is cinematic. These panels are amazing. They cut from like establishing shot to like, you know, a one shot of the Hulk like after a battle has destroyed everything. And you can see his sadness and his sorrow. And there's so much emotion in there. So I don't think you can really use that argument because I understand that like, you know, no one knew when Jack Kirby and Stan Lee were writing these comics, like you said, and that was very well done. They were just trying to get the next paycheck. They were like, they probably, I mean, I would think, how are we making money off of a kid who swings a spider web each week? Hey, man, this, then Jack Kirby says to him, hey, man, who cares? We're making money. We got to keep this going. And then also, the times were different. People were not really expecting narratives to continue back then. You know, there like there wasn't even like back in that era was there really that many like sequels, you know? Like it was a lot like my grandparents, they don't really have sequels that they love. I mean, the God More than you would think, The Godfather, but, you know? I mean, I, that that's like a big one for them. That's like a trilogy. That's like one of the only few trilogies well, that too, they can but, digest, you know, uh, that they really know about. And, and so like in, in my opinion, like you got to look at it from the times and maybe i was a little wrong about that whatever movies are your realm comics are my realm and i do have to say that you know the comics are different now they're they've adapted to the storytelling of the day and so that's why i was always a little confused how these mcu films didn't do that i mean yeah there's some light connective tissue but it's, it was never really enough for me to be dying for the next film the same way that I was always like dying for like that next episode of Lost when I was watching it when it was airing or Game of Thrones until it hit the you know it shit the bed. But I I don't know I just I just you you could and my biggest fear 
is and i see we're seeing it happening it's like they i don't want people to think this is the only way you can make a blockbuster just because this is the way that disney has done it so successfully for the past 12 years and you're seeing that happen like dc is finally now finding their stride how many movies in and we still don't know if they've fully caught that stride yet because for every hit they've had there's been a miss but at least they're starting to get a few hits and I just like it's dangerous when you kind of like boast a formula in creativity, I think, because numbers talk and money talks. And I just don't think that's like true art. You know, I think that comics and TV and film have all progressed naturally to be more narrative driven. Television went from being super procedural to like we spoke about this on our Lost episode, you know, shows like Lost, Breaking Bad kind of helped push like, oh, let's tune in next week to see what happens to them not just to see them start at the top and end at the bottom. And so then you have this formula, and yes, it's making a lot of money. We can't deny that, but I just don't want us to, to pause because I think we're just really starting to get to like the pushing of the narrative that I've kind of always wanted that got me interested to go to film school when I was at a point in my life so to your restart. Worry, so real quick, so your worry your worry is that because this formula has been so successful that they're kind of become going to become stagnant and they're not going to test it and try and push it further only because pretty much every single other studio that has attempted to copy Marvel's formula at this point has been unsuccessful. Is that is that what you're trying to get at? My worry is, that your is worry I don't like I've grown a respect for Marvel for sure. I still don't love the characters. Maybe I really love Thor. I think Thor is awesome. But like I'm not like in love with these characters the same I am with like Star Wars or DC characters. So my worry is I don't want those guys to look at what the success of Marvel has and then just be like, well, if we apply these same things, we do these same tropes, we have this same light connective tissue, we can build that kind of cinematic universe. Okay. I don't think that's going to work. I think what Marvel did, and this is why I respect them, is they found one way... There's a hundred hundred. There's how many comics of Iron Man? There's there's thousands of a runs lot. of Iron Man. So, the, a but lot they found one way to really crush it with these characters, and it works for them, and that's awesome. And you know what? I'm not creating at Marvel, so I'm not in charge of how many different ways they could have found. But I don't want DC and Star Wars to look at that one way and be like, this is the way we have to apply to our characters. Like, I think that's gonna ruin a lot of okay. potential. You know what I'm trying to say? Does I think, that I make think sense? I, I think I get what you're saying. This so, way so works for Marvel, is but that I think I'm starting yeah, to see people try to apply it elsewhere, and it's just, I don't like it. Right, well, well, and, and, that, and that's the funny thing that you mentioned is because, again, I hate to keep calling you out, but that's the whole thing that everyone has been calling DC and Star Wars out on for years now is the fact that those two studios were constantly trying to copy Marvel's formula, and it so badly backfired on them. Like, yeah. Star Wars, like, they tried it with the, like, like, Star Wars literally tried to apply the Marvel formula to Star Wars. Like, Star Wars, like, people could barely tolerate the trilogies you know the clone wars basically just legitimized the prequels and that was like the first successful animated show and now all of a sudden disney is basically trying to push like the marvel formula and of course it's gonna blow up in their face you know and dc and dc which would be like kind of the ideal version to kind of push like kind of the anti-marvel formula but Zack snyder's idiotic vision just like completely incoherent set of dis display of skills just completely screwed that up and any chance that that universe had which sucks because I still do think that that universe did have a lot of potential to kind of provide some competition for Marvel I guess kind of my whole thought process on this whole thing is that because Marvel went with basically no competition for so long because any of the big players that tried to compete against them for this past decade just failed so Miserably, like it's one thing, right? When you have a box office flop, but you have a, when you have a box office flop that is 
either critically super divisive, which is something that the studios almost never want, right? Because divisiveness is bad for continual dollars, or at least this past decade proved to be something different. But also when it's almost universally reviled, you know, like that's not something the studios want on their palate. Because yeah, again, it might provide a lot of money in the moment, but your overall cultural legacy, that's a completely different story, you know? And as much as money, but and as much money as Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad made in 2016, those movies are going to go down in history as like, basically critically reviled. You know, they're only going to be remembered because of like, wow, remember how bad those movies were when you watched them? Versus the Marvel movies, even the most mediocre ones, they'll be like, yeah, I had a good time watching like Captain Marvel or the Spider-Man movies or the Ant-Man movies in theaters, you know, because like just the idea of like, okay, we know that at some point we're going to see those characters in an Avengers movie, you know, and those all paid off, you know, like I get kind of the overall creative revelation, you know, and I've heard a lot of different people who are anti-Marvel's thoughts on this, you know, I have a one professor who's just like, I just have no idea what's going on, those movies are like, incomprehensible to me, and I'm like, you know what, I understand that, but I'm sorry to say, but those movies aren't made for you then, if that's the case, you can still watch them, and you can still have your own thought process on them, but at that point, those movies, unfortunately, are not made for you. You know, like those movies, they start at a certain point, they're at a certain point, and they are the most successful franchise at this point, you know, right now. And I don't ever want to say that something is completely perfect because that takes away from my job as a critic. But all I'm saying is that when something is almost universally beloved and when something is at the top of its game in terms of the money making game and the quality game, you know, you're doing something right, you know, even if everybody that's watching it is a complete total moron with no sense of any understanding, like you're doing something right, you're, you're clearly right. and they're having not. something attractive. You know? And they're not. And and I totally agree right. with you. And I'm not saying they're not doing something right. I'm just saying like now in 2020, because like you said early on in this podcast, all the other studios are getting over a decade of failure, but that doesn't mean adopt this formula because I know it's not going to work for them and it's just going to further. I don't think they will. I mean, I kind of see, I mean, Shazam felt straight out of like a Marvel playbook. I mean, and that's like 2018 in my opinion. Like I predicted it so easily, whereas DC used to keep me on my toes. I used to be like, okay, cool. Like this is the edge that I want from them. This is the depth of presence that I don't get in a Marvel film. The minutia that, wasn't in wasn't there and like i don't know i mean aquaman was cool but it still felt a little marvelly wonder woman now that gave me a little hope but like i just feel like everyone's like afraid and they're like oh my god like we really are fucking these characters up and you are but that doesn't mean you have to do it the way marvel's doing it but i respect i, I, get, I get i get what you're i get what you're trying to say because the whole thing is that right because the whole thing is that they're trying to take like a very kitty approach where they're almost afraid to almost take these characters in really interesting and mature directions right which is almost like where now kind of the ideas where you would take these characters in mature adult directions like obviously like a logan you know i'm not gonna say deadpool because deadpool despite the fact that yes it's rated r but it's still a very immature character that kids can like laugh at and have fun with yeah. you know it's a, kind of the edgy like the edgy older brother but like something like a logan or a joker you know it's like those are the types of movies that like you kind of expect for like as the maturation or even something like Into the Spider-Verse you know where even that's an even though that's an animated movie that still has a lot of mature moments in that movie for a kids animated movie so yeah movie, those you know? three but films that's a whole felt natural they felt like those were right. the stories the filmmakers wanted to tell and they're great examples because they're superhero films that are outside of the MCU formula I think the MCU formula is great I respect it now I get it it's not 100% for me that's fine but like I, those are great films to show what I'm saying. I don't want anyone to just force something. Now that we've seen so much money be made by what Marvel has even come out to say, it's our formula, it's our method, you know? That doesn't mean you got to force something. Like, 
Joker was just a huge Oscar film, you know, and that was natural. And a huge moneymaker. Made like a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. I think that like there's got to be a lot of fear. If I was an exec on the other team, right, let's say Sony or Fox or whatever, I'd be like, guys, like if we don't produce a hit here with these characters that have been selling for decades, we're all going to get fired. But that doesn't mean just like, you know, tuck your tail behind your legs and just go copy what marvel's doing because that no one wants that we have the mcu yeah. you know what i mean that's what i'm trying to say it's a difficult spot but again i continue to place the mm-hmm. blame not on marvel because just because somebody is so successful does not give you the right to have a failure and just tuck your tail between your legs and run in the other direction you're right you should be constantly striving to be like okay what can we do in order to continue to further this but i guess my question is is that when you get something like a Logan or a Joker, right? But even Joker on its best day couldn't stand up to Endgame, you know? I guess it's like, is is that like a problem that we still have with the studios? Or is that just a problem that we have with people and moviegoers at this rate, you know? Because obviously like that, I feel like that goes just so far, so much further into the realm of like critics in general, you know? Where it's like, how many times do critics say, don't go watch this movie, this movie sucks. And then that movie is like the highest grossing movie of the weekend. You know, obviously that's not like, you know, obviously, I don't think that applies to any of the Marvel movies. You and I might disagree on that, but like, c- come on, like, I'm not like talking gibberish here. You no, know, you're not, and I'm. That ties exactly into the second sort of thought process I had prepared for this conversation tonight, and and that being so. Needless to say, everything I said about Marvel, right? Don't copy them, but that doesn't mean there isn't something to be learned from them. I mean, right. patience, dude. Like they've been successful for a this reason. This studio built this from the ground with a through line since 2008, okay? On top of bankruptcy, I would like to add that to They were going bankrupt in the 90s. They had to sell the rights of their most profitable characters, and they managed to turn that around with their characters that they were going to produce nothing and made the biggest movie franchise in the world, I would like to right. add. Right, they, they had to sell Spider-Man. They had to sell... Um, Spider-Man, the Fantastic yeah. Four, the X-Men, the Hulk. They had to sell exactly. all those guys. And they took a B character, Iron Man, and started their cinematic universe with that. But that's because Feige had this plan so far out so i think to answer your question you know what do the other studios do is kind of what i gathered from that i think a it's it's manage expectations you are never going to make as much money as endgame it is the highest grossing movie in the world but you guys are also ever yeah exactly you guys are all you guys are all money-making corporations though play the long game put trust in creators like marvel put in kevin feige be patient Build something from the ground up. Art should never be a race. This is why I can't stand the Oscars. This is why I can't stand the Grammys, the Golden Globes, whatever. You know what I mean? This is, I just, we watch them, we hang out, we drink, and we laugh at them, right? I mean, isn't that what Because the whole thing, right, with those is that it's only honoring what's present in the Mm -hmm. moment. And the whole thing about art is you never want to look at what it does in the moment because that so diminishes its value over time. You want to look at its value over time. You don't look at some of the best artists of all time and say, oh, wow, that was so great. But half the best artists of all time were never successful in the moment. You look at its longevity and its lasting over time. That's why so many Oscar Best Picture winners don't hold up. Dude, 100%. I mean... You know, I Marvel films aren't my favorite films. There are a few that I actually really love that are in my top films of all time on my letterbox list. And, and, and you know, that that's cool. I didn't think that would happen. But once I realized the impact these films would have, regardless of how I personally feel about them long after their days... This is how you kind of sell mainstream art that is still meaningful and still has passion. It might not tug on all the strings that I like, 
but that's fine because I can see past that and I can objectively respect the through line, the 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 the, the poise, you know, the the planning, the 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 persistence of these films. And like you said, it's not about 100% the moment because all these films get snubbed at the Oscars, man. So except for Black Panther. Except for Black Panther, which is cool because I think a superhero movie needs to get shown there, but I yeah. I mean, you know, aside from Black Panther, dude, they've had that wasn't their only successful film, but that's you know what I'm trying to say here. I'm trying to say, yeah, dude, you're you're right. And so like these other studios, like they can do this. It's gonna take time. They might not hit an endgame, but they certainly can get their billion dollars if they just give us content that is from the heart, yeah. that is meaningful. You have yeah. beloved characters, you, like there's studios out there that own James Bond, that own Jurassic Park, that own DC. You know, like what's going? All those franchises, for the most yeah. part. And I, I, and I guess what I'm trying to say here is that I'm sorry, but when Endgame is the highest grossing movie of all time, and Justice League can't even equal what the Avengers did, like that's, I'm sorry, you're not doing something right. You're not doing something right. You know? Yeah. Where, yeah, dude. I don't have anything else to add to that specific part, but like people have already talked about that and nausea. But no, I guess just like kind of my whole thing with yeah, it is that go for it. Even with all of your points, and I agree mm-hmm. with all of your points. Like that's that's the one that that's kind of the unique position that I'm in. Is I'm in a position where yes, I would regard myself 100 as a Marvel fan, but for the most part, I've enjoyed. Even if I don't love, I think there's only a few Marvel movies that I love. I love the the Captain America movies. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I love all the Avengers movies. For the most part, I like the Iron Man franchise, even though I think that franchise got more and more. Ig- consistent as time gone on surprisingly enough i'm not the biggest fan of the thor franchise i actually like the earlier thor movies better than the one that everyone loved thor ragnarok you yeah. know but that's a that's a whole different thing but my whole thing is that even with even with my kind of going in and out of loving certain marvel movies i've been a consistent watcher you know but the thing it, because to me it's the first franchise where i saw it from the get-go i remember watching the first iron man movie in theaters and watched it all the way through to Endgame and beyond, you know? Like, I think it's the only franchise where I've seen every single movie in theaters, you know? Wild. And I, I don't know. Yeah, you know? And so I just think that there is something to that, you know? But even with that, I still understand all the criticisms that people have towards it. It's not like I'm a situation where I'm a blind fanboy, like all these idiot Star Wars fanboys just be like, no, I love everything with this franchise, and you're an idiot for not liking it. These people who make it are geniuses. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not one of those people, you know? Obviously, I'm a critic. I've been doing this for too long. I think, I don't think, and if I'm being honest, I don't think you would be doing this podcast with me if I wasn't <laughs> doing it, if I was that kind of a person. But, like... Like, I don't know, like, maybe you could just answer this question for me, you know? Like, did it just sucker me in with, like, at the right age? You know, like, I've talked at nauseam about how the fact that the first Transformers movie made such an impact on me when I was 10. Is it just the fact of, like, the idea of kind of getting this payoff to something that you've been following for so long, something that the TV shows have constantly tried constantly tried and failed to do, I would like to think, time and time again, and that people finally get this, especially from a blockbuster movie franchise, you know, just talking specifically about Endgame, you know? Like, like talk to me here. Like, what, like, kind of... Like, Straighten out this thought process for me that I have. I think time and place is huge when it comes to being exposed to any type of art. I mean, I know there are songs that people have shown me and I was in a bad mood that day. And then I hear them six years later. I'm like, I was dumb. This is an amazing record. I I love this song. You know, I should have been more objective, but we're people. It's hard. And I can 
totally see you as as a young Dominic who has aspirations to be a filmmaker, and you still obviously can achieve all that. But I like, had no aspirations to be a filmmaker when I was twelve. I can tell you that right well, now. Well, you loved film. You were looking stuff up on IMDb. Yeah. I like. There was hints of the Dom that would be today, and 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 in twenty years from now too, we'll see where that goes. I'm excited for that. Side note: got to send we'll me that see. pilot. But anyways, we'll you know, like we'll yeah, see. it's the spectacle, and they're marketed. You were the perfect age group that that was marketed at. Me being sixteen, yeah. I was a little older. I went because like, hey, you know, I grew up going to see all those X Men, yeah. uh, the Fox run, and it wasn't the best, but it was fun yeah. when I was a little kid. And yeah, I was eleven. Yeah, I know. I no, sorry, I was. 10 I was still 10 I didn't turn 11 until that August I was 10 years okay, old okay so I was I was 14 out. then so I was just in high school and so they hooked you in and brought you through high school for me I was like yeah. a superhero movie dude like I'm in high school now like girls man you know what I mean like and like music and, and yeah. going to the I wouldn't even got rock and roll clubs on the yet. weekends so like you know yeah. like it was it's different it's different but now that like I've seen them all and I can tell you this, I'm not going to miss another one in theaters because even if they're 100% yeah. not for me, although Phase 4 looks looks pretty cool. It looks like it's the we'll most see. Chris we'll uh, the I, most Chris if, if we ever actually get another Marvel right. movie in But theaters, I mean, but. I can just respect it so much and those people you're speaking about the oh dude like there's Endgame's perfect there's nothing oh, wrong with it I can't stand those people I love I'm those people about though. the Star Wars people and you know who I'm talking about. That is but. true, but I love those people because those people are proof that what they did doesn't need to be at the Oscars. What they did doesn't need to be, you know, th the greatest piece of cinema because it's still, it's still like, even though they're formulaic in nature, and this is why I was so against it, right? Being like, I was such an artist when I was young. Everyone is. Um, and I'm still oh, young, but like I'm talking like the the early, the, like the late, yeah, you know, the I, late I know teens, early about. 20s young when you're like an artist and you're like, I'm going to just be huge yeah. by this time. I had that Exactly. Face. And so... I think I'm still in that phase, but... The formula <laughs> pissed me off because... I never thought art should be a formula, but like they did it in such an endearing and sweet way that you have those people like, oh, bro, like Endgame's the best thing. But like, I don't look at those people as bad anymore. I wish they'd be a little more open minded just because like some of those people are my friends and I want my friends to be happy and enjoy things. But like, it's just like a testament to how strong of an IP they developed. So to answer your question, like, yeah, it's right place, right time, but also to bring these people through the years like they did with you. You haven't missed a film, dude. You saw 23 straight films. Yeah. It's it's more than just roping you in, though. In it's it's like they yeah. had a through line and they committed to their original vision. And so yeah. I want more like this. I want my going to see 23 films of genuine, pure love and creative passion and, and like, you know, like, but I just I'm just afraid everyone's gonna be scared yeah. and like how do we compete with phase four, well, five, yeah, and six? Because, you know? Right. Well, because the whole thing with that is that obviously if you get it's, it's a trick that we talked about at nausea where I brought this up where it's like, okay, pitch like a different director that would be perfect for every different type of a DC character, you know, what it's like we pitch like, you know, it's like a David Fincher for like a Batman movie, you know, it's like a, a Matthew Vaughn for a Superman movie. It's like a, you know, like any type of filmmaker that would suit for a character. But if you take each one of those people and you will try to have them apply their own vision to each of their individual films, like there's no through line there, you know? So it's kind of the fact of where, and the interesting thing about the Marvel movies is that, there never, ne there wasn't necessarily a through line, right? It was kind of like, okay, everyone gets their own individual f 
movie, you know? Like, yeah, you have these little bits and nuggets you have to clip, but for the most part, you have free reign to do it, you know? And then, obviously, you know, you had the Avengers, and Joss Whedon pulled that miracle off, you know? God bless him for being able to do it, you know? And then, obviously, Phase 2 being what it was, you know? And, and, and you know, like, where they kind of, they couldn't really figure out between, like, okay, are we world-building, or are we still doing, like, these individual character adventures, you know? Where, like, and that's why Phase 2 is kind of, like, so weird, where you have Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World, which are, like, these kind of, like, individual character adventures that don't really impact the world at large, but they do, and then Winter Soldier, which entirely impacts the world at large, and then Guardians of the Galaxy, which is kind of this one-off adventure, and then you get Age of Ultron, which is a direct sequel to that first Avengers movie, right, and then you get into Phase 3, which is when Jeff, which is when Ike Perlmutter is gone, you know, Feige is, is completely in control of Marvel now, and is reporting directly to Bob Iger, you get all the interesting Phase 3 movies that you got, you know, because say what you will about Phase 3, those movies, the fact that you got a Doctor Strange movie, a Guardians of the Galaxy sequel, a Thor Ragnarok movie that basically doubled as a Planet Hulk movie, two Spider-Man movies, an Ant-Man sequel, all in one phase of Marvel movies, not to mention the fact that two big Kang Daddy Avengers movies to end everything, all in three years, three years of movies, we got all of those movies, like that is impressive, to say the least, you know, and yeah. so I guess just what I'm trying to get at is that it's definitely interesting with kind of how everyone gives credit to Marvel for having this so this so strenuous and like this through line that ever that they committed to so hard. But if you think about it, there was a lot of improvisation involved there. You know, like like I I, I listened to a Patrick H. Williams video on this where they went in extensively, and like there is so much kind of improv and constantly having to switch things around constantly at the last minute. You know, we hear everything with the Marvel behind the scenes. You know, because it's like the most accessible behind the scenes ever. You know, it's like it's just, I just find it so funny that like everyone gives them credit for like being the most consistent cinematic franchise. That that went for a decade plus, but there was so much, so much that could have gone wrong there, you know? So again, to me, it's like every time I hear somebody saying, oh, I didn't like this Marvel movie. Oh, I didn't know what was going on. Oh, this just isn't for me. I'm just like, you just got to give credit to them for the fact that they were able to pull this off, have it be as consistent as possible, even with all the inconsistencies that were going on behind the scenes and just be like, yeah, like you got to give them credit for that. You know, you can't not take away from that. Yeah. And I definitely do now. Um, you know, I just think their ability to sort of recover as well from some of the lesser popular films and sort of just show that like and then like this is something that I've joked around with with some of like our, our you know, our YouTube friends here as well. Um, like what? OK, so a flop for them is 400 million at the box office. Right. You know, it's like, come on. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's not. A but flop. that's because they built such a strong brand. So even when they took like something that was a little off the beaten path like an iron man 3 comes to mind you know like that is it a christmas movie is it not a christmas movie that's that's a yeah, whole different that's podcast the whole different but like thing. yeah they still they was a made a lot of money all. off that film and so yeah. like it was like the highest gross, one of the highest grossing movies of 2013 they, kevin feige must be like the perfect boss you know because you have to hit a quota yeah. you have to get your job done but Maybe he's not up your ass, you know. But you basically have free reign. Yeah, to do exactly. It. Like you and I have talked about spill. Like you and I have talked about spill.com at nausea, right? We're huge fans of Double Toast. So we've made that no secret, right? And right, and I told you, right? Obviously, that one of the original cast members of Spill.com, see Robert Cargill, who was known as Carlisle on Spill.com, went on to write the both sinister movies and then got the Marvel job and wrote Doctor Strange with 
um, Scott Derrickson, and again, Doctor Strange, obviously being the thing, and he went back on Double Toasted to promote his movie, and he said, yeah, basically, when we were in the rooms with Marvel, we had basically free reign, it was a super relaxing, super chill environment, we had all these comics and all these resources that we had access to, you know, and it was like, there was no pressure, you know, and we basically just made a Doctor Strange movie, and from what everything I heard, yeah, we weren't necessarily fans of Doctor Strange when we saw that in theaters, but I know that every, like, diehard Doctor Strange fan, I don't know how many of them are as compared to, you know, because obviously the Doctor Strange fans aren't as, like, present as the Spider Man fans and every other mainstream Marvel fan at that point, but it's like they said, yeah, it was a very faithful, good first Doctor Strange movie. And even though I wasn't a fan of it, I know a lot of people was like, yeah, that was a really good movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, I remember not liking that film, but I don't remember us hating it either after we watched it. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love yeah. it either. I was like, this exactly. is just okay. It was you know? different, but like you can take those kind of, I wouldn't say risks, but I'd say turns. Because it really wasn't a risk. I mean, it's obvious they stayed yeah. true to the source material. I have read some Doctor Strange comics since. They're all a little too serious. He's, he's not my guy. Let's yeah. put it that way, you know? He doesn't but, seem uh, <laughs> like the type of guy that you follow. It's like, oh, tune into this week with Doctor Strange and his right. new adventures. You know, he always kind of seemed like, I am this person and I am focusing and I am the sole protector of the Marvel Universe. You know, But like in terms of remaining faithful of that character, I mean... Doctor Strange is probably the most serious character left in the Marvelverse, you know? Like, the probably the most confusing thing about that mo part about that movie was the humor itself. That felt the most out of place in that movie. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. But but what I can say is, you know, and what I was going to say is, it's like they were able to take that turn, that that slight, you know, hey, let's uh, let's take let's hit this rest up and see what this attraction's all about for a minute before we get back on the highway, that through line, right? It, because they... Well, they just kind of built up a trust and so such a strong track record that they were allotted to take that turn, and it paid off for them. And and either way, they knew they were going to make like a base four hundred million. Let's just say because like that's what a Marvel flop is. You know, it's not a flop. Yeah. It's just a flop for a fucking yeah. how how many billion dollar franchise. But I mean, right. you know that that's the thing, dude. It's like they didn't even have the strongest hand. Like you said, they had to sell off pretty much all their big hitters but minus yeah. a few and and let's be honest like yep. captain america um you know iron man sure captain america was a little more popular than iron man but i mean he yeah, wasn't like even, a big boy in marvel like at the yeah. time right no. no at the time like i'm talking like 2006 2007 when they were just starting to make these movies like i'm sorry but entrusting the director of elf <laughs> with a guy who puts on a suit of metal to fight back that was a huge risk yeah. that was a huge risk. we're talking about a company that not even 13 years before had to declare bankruptcy they were taking a huge huge gamble and it completely paid off like i said and we'll talk about whatever you want right time right place right actor right director whatever whatever it is that they got it worked to say the least. And it paid off for them for the next 12 years going forward. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a formula, at least make sure it adds up, right? You yeah. know? Now, before Absolutely. we uh, sort of, like, hit, hit the, the final turning point here, I mean, is there a specific, like, guy or gal that's, like, that's your hero? Like, because I'd be curious to know, and I think it'd be fun for our listeners See. to kind of, like, give that if you want to go down that route. I mean, see, it's tricky that you bring that up because my whole thing is I never ever want to. I, I don't like to focus on one overall 
hero anymore okay. because I'm like, yeah, because that kind of takes away from the power of the ensemble, you know, because obviously if you focus on one person, it kind of takes away from the ensemble. But that's just the PC side of me. Um, I think my personal mar- favorite Marvel hero, if I had to pick anything from before Marvel, because I was always a DC guy before, like, kind of this whole MCU going back to my kid days, but I was always a Hulk guy. I was thought the Hulk was really cool. It's kind of like this Jekyll and Hyde kind of werewolf-esque personality, and he turns into, like, this giant green monster, and seeing him fully realizing the Avengers. You know, I even liked that Incredible Hulk movie that came out in 2008 a lot more than other people do, but seeing him fully realizing the Avengers movies and seeing Mark Ruffalo as that character be like, yeah, that's the Hulk that I know, and just seeing him so well realized, and obviously everything that they did with Downey Jr. obviously is completely perfect for that character of Iron Man, and like Downey Jr. made that character the household name, but honestly, if I'm just talking about a character that I could have given less of a crap about... And then that the Marvel movies made me fall in love with. I'm sorry, it's Captain America for me. It, it's absolutely Captain America. I would go Thor, but the problem is Thor I always liked more in the big team-up movies than his own individual movies, specifically in these last two installments. But with Captain America, that's just a character where I'm like, wow, this guy dresses up in a star-spangled outfit and I give less of a crap about him. And then they took the discount actor who played the Human Torch in those Fantastic Four movies that I thought that was were fun when I was a kid, and they made him to be arguably the character that had more depth, more emotional gravitas, and probably the most serious and grounded Marvel storyline without ever feeling too serious and boring. I know you don't agree with me, but that's just me personally. Not to mention giving me some of the best just straight up action in the Marvel verse that I've gotten in general. It has to be Captain America because that's a character to me that I never had any expectations for. And then once I saw that Winter Soldier movie, I was like, whoa. What? Why have I not gotten this before? This is Captain America is awesome. And they just kept going up from there, literally to the point where to me he had like, the best wrap-up in Endgame. And I and I said this in my first Avenger review when I rewatched that movie, and I said, I'm like, in terms of consistent through arcs throughout the MCU, from their inception in the MCU to where they ended up, I still think that Captain America has the absolute best arc. No, you make a great case, man. Um, you know, I definitely disagree, obviously, but I, got, I get right. why people feel that way, though, now, whereas, like, seven months ago, me would be like you're just stupid for even like wanting to have this conversation, you know? And I just posed the question. So like growth, man. And that's why I love doing this show. Um, I guess my runner up, since you kind of like hit on that, certainly Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. I'm waiting, waiting for that solo film, man. Just casting notion. I want it. It's so so strange to me. Yeah. Like he's, it's just so strange to me when you look at the, the individual Hulk movie that's technically part of the MCU, but like, really isn't because it was owned by Universal and everything and I rewatched that movie that movie's really good but I kept looking at Ed Norton in that movie and I'm like good god how much better would this movie have been with Mark Ruffalo like I'm seeing Mark Ruffalo say all of Ed Norton's lines and do everything that Ed Norton's doing I'm like god damn this would have been such a different and better movie if that was Mark Ruffalo he's so goddamn good as yeah Ed Norton wasn't terrible but like Mark Ruffalo no is the not Hulk, at all like you said Oh but for God, me, yes. the way that they sort of took this character from being a very stoic um, sort of powerful figure to still having that power and all of his dignity, but also kind of like more of a jokester, more of like a go with the flow kind of guy was brilliant in my opinion. And so like maybe it took a few movies, but like, hey, you know. If you look at the way modern TV shows are, it took like, what, uh, seven, eight hours to get here with Thor and, and TV show would have that kind of yeah. growth in seven, eight hours. So like Thor is my favorite, not because of like going into it. I loved him in the comics. I, I'm going to make, you know, if it wasn't already known, I'm more of like a DC reader. But these days I love reading the independent comics. So I, my Marvel, I've read Marvel 
to just stay up to date with what we do here and have conversations with my friends. And I've enjoyed when I've read it, but like Thor wasn't a guy that I was like, got to turn the next page, you know, it was never like that. I never really read a Thor comic, but God damn, if I can't lie, when I say Chris Hemsworth just works in that role, man, and he just has such a charm and the way that they've, because he's, in my opinion, the most drastically changed Avenger as, as far as personality types go. And I'll give you that. I'll definitely give you that. And it just feels so natural. It feels like we really got to know Thor and and it's there's not a question as to like why is he goofy now? We know why he's a little goofy now. He's been through a lot and, and humor is kind of a way to cope. I mean, he lost his father, he lost his mother, but he still managed to like, you know, keep his positivity. I just think like what they've what they've done with him and, and like what they're kind of saying underneath the text with him of this perseverance, of this positivity. I think it's really cool, and I like that message, and I like the way that he, Chris Hemsworth helps deliver that message, so I gotta go with Thor, man, and uh, with, with that being said, Dom, I mean, if you're not ready for closing thoughts, I'm totally fine with, like, hearing out nah, one I'm more ready. thing. I'm ready. Let's do sure. this. Sure. Um, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Uh, uh, okay. I'll go first. Yeah, to say the least, yeah, it, it's, again, this is a franchise that everybody has talked about, everybody's given their thoughts on, everybody has kind of given their two cents on, so I'm just going to go through. Again, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, to me, is the next step, and I think it would be a completely wasted opportunity if no other studios can kind of take this formula that Marvel has set up and not take that to the logical next step. I think to discount this as just the death of cinema that a couple other people were saying last year, I think it's an inherently idiotic statement because to me cinema is this ever-changing form that doesn't really have this one set standpoint and I think to just completely discount that and say oh this is wrong and everything I think you're kind of behind the times I think you need to kind of understand that you are in that point I think that yes while it does it isn't perfect to me I talked about this at nauseum the idea of being a perfect franchise is a blatantly flawed statement because human beings by nature are not perfect and the fact that they were able to take a superhero franchise like this and put it on the big stream and have it be this consistent over 23 movies is a feat to be commendable say the least the fact that you had characters that you started off with at a certain point and you were able to follow them through and to have that continuous through line through 10 12 years 23 movies whatever it's a feat to say the least so yes i don't think that every marvel movie is perfect but i can definitely count myself as a marvel fan you know if that makes any sense yeah no that that does make sense um i was kind of waiting for your your star rating but that's weird Be- <laughs> what, what star rating do i have to give it's 23 no, I'm, just, I'm not gonna I'm give just, a fucking star rating to 23 so movies. dumb right now why don't we go through and have you sort of give a star rating to each individual uh Mar- each <laughs> one kidding. no i'm not doing that oh, i'm not God. doing that don't do that I'm not doing that now. Wait for my series, for my Marvel series. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the whole Scorsese um, cinema thing because... Yeah. It, it, you have to bring it up. You have and to I'll be honest up. when I say that I was on his side of the fence until I wasn't. And it's because I kind of... I see his points and I still agree with his points. And my heart is still more on his side of the fence. But I'll be damned if they didn't pull off the impossible. And you got to respect it. And and there is heart and there is love in these movies. So if you're if you were a Marvel hater, I guess I was a Marvel hater. You know, I, I was. I would have called you a Marvel. You hater. know, you gotta just if you want to grow and if you really want to progress as an artist, you always gotta try new things. And I think what's even more important is come back to things that are widely respected and accepted that you just for some reason can't can't get into. Because for me, it took a few times, but like I'm still not. Enthusiast. I'm still not emphatic about the films, right? But I do have a love for some of these characters and some of these films, and I'm really glad that I can see them now 
as the brilliance that they are. But I'm also glad that getting into these films hasn't sort of changed where I come from. And so, yeah, you got to respect these movies, man, because they took me on this whole mental journey of growth that I would never have gone on. And I think it's only going to make us doing this show so much better. It's only seven months into this show, you know? So even though I don't love them, I mean, got to respect them. You have to respect yeah. these movies. You have to respect them. You ha- even if you did, and I'm so glad that you were able to come to that sample, which is where, again, even if you don't like them, you're allowed to not like them. You're allowed to have your own opinion, but you have to respect what yeah. they've done and what they have accomplished because they have accomplished something that to me at least I feel is just the superhero medium, you know, comics, superheroes, you know, comics, TV shows, movies, whatever, has been trying to accomplish since its inception at the beginning of the century and this franchise finally accomplished it, you know? And you can't take that away from them. You really no, I, can't. I couldn't agree more, man, and um thanks for, you know, always enlightening me on and off the air because I think a lot of this growth is uh, is from you sort I of do. just being like alright I know you don't like this but let's at least talk about it you know I think that's a conversation yeah. that you have it's to have it's worth a discussion anything is worth having yeah. a discussion about even especially if, especially if you don't like if you don't like it I'm like good let's talk about why you don't like it yeah. you know just you know PSA to any artist out there of yeah. any kind yeah whether you're conversation communication is key it is the number one facet if you don't have that you don't have yeah a product. and so dumb you know speaking of like communication and just like you know being forthcoming with a product i mean not that i consider our show a product but i'm just trying to like tie that segue and i consider our show a passion project but uh, uh i consider our show more than a passion product i consider our show a full-on success even though it may not like be a that. success yet in certain people's eyes we are the talking tv podcast i'm dom that's chris that's Chris. I don't care. Camera <laughs> angled. You can find us on any sort of place where you can find podcasts to listen to. We're on Anchor, which is a free distribution service that goes out to Canada with me, Chris. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play. And I think there was one more service that was actually listed recently. That Overcast, I, I think it is. We're not on Overcast? S- but, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but, yeah, but we're not on... Yeah, Overcast, yeah, yeah. that's right. But we're not on SoundCloud because SoundCloud makes us pay yeah. for it. We're also on... We also, as you can see, have this fancy new video platform. We're on YouTube now. That's right. We're on YouTube. And if you want to find us and you want to follow us you can type in talking tv or talking tv podcast any place that you go to listen to podcasts or watch videos we have social media pages on facebook and instagram would be awesome if you go and give us a follow give us a like there and of course but of course the youtube is the most important thing make sure you like and subscribe and please leave a comment because our, your, your feedback is important to us we need that in order to you know grow and you know, incorporate more things and, and, and be more diverse and be more interesting as artists. We need your guys' feedback as that. You guys are important. Getting fans is important to us. That is how young and independent artists like ourselves continue to thrive on the interwebs. Chris, where can the good people find you? Yeah, um, Dom, do you mind if I just like add one more token to, to that last? Do it. Okay, cool. Do yeah, it. no, I mean, Dom's 100% right. Um, we've been loving your guys' support in our live watch-alongs. So that's been absolutely crazy. And you guys added a lot to the conversation on our solo watch-along. So, yeah, just Hell more yeah, to what did. Dom's saying. And, you know, turn on that bell as well to never miss a video because... We are pumping these things out pretty much every day. Our only day off is Sundays. so Working nonstop. You know, we're here because of you, because we want to get to know you and grow with you. And and so that's been happening. And, you know, turn on that bell to help us keep growing and, and whatnot. And also we have a, a live watch along coming up um, this uh, this coming Saturday. We're going to be having a, a Star Wars panel. 
uh, and it's uh, it's going to be pretty yeah. cool to, to conclude our it's our Star Wars celebration. So tune in uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We got Movie Files coming back on Unyolo Blog. He's a really cool Instagram movie account, and two other guests who we're going to keep secret right now. But uh, that's a little taste of what you can expect from us. It's basically an expanded version of this episode, but for Star Wars. Keep that in mind. Pretty much. And, and thank you again to everyone who recently tuned in to our Rogue One watch. We had a blast. The chat was absolutely insane. This is why we love doing this, man. Like, you guys make this so much fun. And it was already fun going into that. I didn't think we could have more fun, to put it this way. But yeah, I mean, to keep, to, so to keep my part short, it's in the description. Click down below if you're on YouTube or an Apple or, or wherever you're listening. Uh, Christian Ivanko, I have another podcast called Talking with Andrew and Chris. We uh, talk about life, music, and everything in between, and that's weekly, uh, every Monday. And you can find all that in the description below. Uh, so just thank you guys so much. Uh, that's really what I'm here to say right now is thank you. We appreciate it. Dom, um, did you want to plug yourself real quick before we get out of here? I was about to say, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, all my stuff is on the Talking TV channel. Movie Nerd Reviews, yeah, it's, it's pretty much part of Talking TV at this point. So, Chris, does that mean that I could do my Joe Rogan and, like, say my thing? Wow, this is so weird. I mean, I got this Dark Knight poster back here. It's so weird. It's crazy, right? This coronavirus, it's nuts, right? Watch more fucking movies, people. We out. We out.